right, everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. Amen. What a great night to be in the house of the Lord. Who's excited to be here tonight? Amen. All right. Well, of course, we still have Financial Peace University going on next door uh, for the next few weeks. So we got a whole lot of the congregation over there uh, uh, doing the Financial Peace class. Uh, but we're going to have an awesome time together tonight, uh, getting into the Word of God and worshiping together. Amen. It's going to be great. So let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. And we are going to open up with our faith confession over America. Praise the Lord. Speaking faith over our nation. Amen. So let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight. And you may be seated. Very good. Well, we're going to get in to our announcements. Got plenty of great things going on, so we want to make sure to fill you in on everything here. Uh, first of all, uh, we're, we've got a lot of lift groups taking place right now. And if you don't know what lift is, this is the uh, the ministry of our small groups, and it stands for living in faith together. Living in faith together. And um, a few that we wanted to let you know about is we have a weekly men's Bible study taking place, all right? Raymond knows all about it because it's at his house, all right? So, yeah, he's been there a lot. He shows up very frequently to it. So uh, Saturdays at 6.30 at Raymond's house, and it's just men getting together, studying the Word, and we love it. And then, of course, we have the Thursday night ladies group called Beauty in the Bible, amen? And they're just having a blast together, and that is uh, 6.30 to 8 p.m. over at Billy's New Restaurant, Amen. And uh, and with the lift groups, I've encouraged each of the leaders to put an end time on them, okay? And so the reason for that is if we say 6.30 to 8, you want to kind of respect those boundaries right there. That way, not every week you're making the, the host stay, you know, an hour past time or, or or vice versa. So anyway, that's that's why we put an end time on there uh, to keep it, you know, keep it structured like that. So just a little fun, fun tip for you. All right. And then uh, young adults have uh, their uh, get-together coming up. Um, it's hard to see on there. So it is Thursday the 22nd. That's this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. at Jesse Winston's house. This is for ages 18 to 25. Uh, again, this is our young adults group, and they're really just, uh, they're on fire for God, man. They are ready to go. So we're very happy about this. And then we do have a teenage lift group starting up. They have youth group every week already, but they're going to be doing a, uh, Jamie, I know I'm throwing you on the spot here. Is that starting this week or the, uh, <laughs> the teenage, the teenage lift group, is that starting this week or this Tuesday at 630 in Victory Hall? Okay, there it is. If you're a teenager, 
uh, this Tuesday, 630 in Victory Hall. This isn't youth group. This is an additional Bible study if you're wanting to dive in deeper to the word. Amen. Okay. And then uh, we have baptisms coming up this coming Sunday. All right. This coming Sunday. I counted earlier because a lot of people put their whole family on one line. I think we got 26 people signed up for baptisms. Amen. So really, really pumped up about this. If you haven't been baptized, you need to get baptized. Amen. It's a, I mean, it's, it's a huge part of our Christian faith and it's your chance to really make a public stand and declaration of your faith. And so we will be doing it at both services next week. Okay. 10 a.m. And then we also have several people getting baptized at the 6 p.m. service. All right. So keep that in mind, but that's the sign up sheet for that. And then here's something that I'm personally very excited about. Um, on Sunday, March 17th, okay, only at the 10 a.m. service, um, Gerald Brooks, Pastor Gerald Brooks, is going to be joining us from the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. And this is a, personally like a dream come true for me. Um, he is a wonderful man of God, uh, one of the most respected leadership teachers in the United States. He is highly sought after and he chose to come to Barstow out of all places and so I'm like all right let's go so he will be here only at the 10 a.m. service he's got to catch a flight as soon as we say amen on Sunday morning but um, 10 a.m. service Sunday March 17th trust me you want to be here at 10 a.m. that day it is going to be absolutely incredible okay and then Easter is a couple of weeks after that it's the last Sunday of March and and uh, they did auditions for the play earlier today at 3 p.m. So that sounded like it went great. And then we need lots of candy and eggs. Uh, I, well, I, I should I should rephrase that. We need there's a total. We're giving out 4,000 eggs, and we already have. Well, as of last week, 3,000 of them. So we're already very close on the eggs and candy. Um, but at least the eggs. Keep bringing in eggs and candy, and we'll let you know when we hit 4,000. How's that sound? Uh, but we're blessed with that. We are going to be doing a Good Friday service. That's when the play will be. And then Sunday morning will be a huge uh, ordeal. Uh, the children are singing, and we'll do a, a big egg hunt afterwards. And also on Saturday of that week, uh, the city of Barstow is doing, like, I think their first ever Easter event that is uh, endorsed by the city. And they invited a few of us churches to uh, give them a hand. And we're one of the churches that they reached out to. So uh, it's going to be at the sports park. But I'll be asking some of you to help us out with that event. I'm not going to stretch us too thin, but we're definitely uh, we'll, we're going to participate in that and be a blessing to the city as well. So amen. Easter weekend is going to be very, very busy. And I'm just I'm grateful that we to celebrate Jesus together. Amen. All right. Well, that is all the announcements for tonight. So who knows what time it is? Amen. It is happy time. And you know, why do we get happy? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. All right. We're going to open our Bibles to Proverbs 10 and verse 22. Proverbs 10 and verse 22. I'll be in the NLT. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. And the ushers will get one to you. If you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. And if you still want to buy a chair or two or ten uh, for our new chairs, we're buying 100 new chairs because we've run out of chairs on Sunday mornings. And so 
if you want to help buy a chair, amen, for somebody to, to sit in and hear the gospel. The chairs, we're getting them for about $50 a piece, $51. And so if you want to contribute to that, we'll probably be placing that order within the next week or so. And we just, again, we wanted everybody to get an opportunity to uh, get involved with that special project. So, uh, but if you're going to do that, right chair on your envelope or uh, if you're giving it online just select the tab that says building and maintenance but we're going to look at proverbs 10 verse 22 in the nlt i love this it says the blessing of the lord makes a person rich can i get an amen on that tonight yeah and someone would say no don't talk don't say rich. i mean that's no, 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 don't don't mix that I, hey i'm not adding nothing i'm just reading the bible to y'all tonight it says the blessing of the lord makes a person rich and here's the best part of this and he adds no sorrow to it amen and no sorrow with it because we understand that there's a lot of people that can get rich in this world maybe through some questionable means uh but there's a lot of sorrow that comes along with those riches you know, people sacrifice their families and their morals and everything else just for money. And so they, they may have got rich, but they also got a whole bunch of sorrow. And the scripture tells us the blessing of the Lord. When you get that on your life, it'll make a person rich, but he adds no sorrow with it. No regrets when we do things God's way. And so doing things his way, you know, is, is obeying his word. And as we obey his word through our tithes and our offerings, just know that you're opening up the door for the blessing of God to be upon your life. Does that sound good tonight, everybody? Amen. Well, let's stand up together. We're going to speak some words of faith over our giving tonight. Then we're going to get into some praise and worship for a little bit here and get right into the word of God. It's going to be a great night. Amen. Let's say it together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. You guys can join us up at the front and worship with us as well today as you bring your tithes and offerings. crown a servant to the father's love descended on his throne above author of salvation giver of new life crucified to pay for sin our righteousness is in the name of jesus every
worship in his presence tonight, you guys. His presence here in the midst of us right now. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and shame. The heavens are roaring with praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the power, the love, the authority, the answers there are in the name of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for letting us use your name. Lord, thank you 
that you said in John 14, verse 14, if we ask anything in your name, you'll do it. And Lord, we know when we find it in the Bible and it speaks to our heart, we know it's ours. And Lord, we know all it takes is the boldness and the courage on our part in the most hopeless situations to begin to speak the name of Jesus and what your word says. And Lord, we know, we know just like David and Goliath, that when the big bad giant came out there, and David said, you come with me with swords and spears, I come to you in the name of the Lord our God. Father, we thank you that no matter what giants we're facing in life, no matter what comes our way, no matter how big and how bad they are, just like the giant, when we say, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It has to fall. It has to go. And Lord, that gives you glory when we get blessed. Thank you tonight. We're going to see things, hear things from the word of God. And Jesus, like you told the disciples, you said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. So we're going to make sure for our spiritual ears in our heart, we're going to listen and not be distracted. And Lord, I believe that every person that's in this sanctuary, every person that's watching online, and for the ones that come back and replay this and see it in the future, Lord, is going to be alive and speak to them. They're going to get their answer. Thank you for the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I know myself all the time. I catch myself going down the road and I'm, I'm not a real big singer. I told you that last week. You know, I like to sing solo. Solo, nobody can hear me except Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I catch myself all the time just going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's where the answer is, Jesus. And it's really good to learn some Bible verses to go along with it. But if you're in time of trouble and crisis, you don't know what else to do, start saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And things change, things happen. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about, I'm going to show you something on the screen in a minute, but we're going to be talking about the attitude of a winner. And that's one of the attitudes of a winner. You have a in the name of Jesus. But I want to show you this February devotional. And uh, matter of fact, Mrs. Pastor is putting together a book that's got all the months in one book. It's really looking nice and looking good. But these devotions, I think about the attitude of a winner. These devotions every day will help start your day off right. And the Holy Ghost through me is one that wrote these devotions. And so I, you know, I don't brag on me, but I brag on the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. He gives me bite-sized nuggets that aren't just a religious thing that help nobody. He gives me bite-sized nuggets of my own life, experiences and things to the Word of God that have brought me victory and things that have helped you. But this month, uh, the first part of the month, we're already through that, was am I, my, am I, I am my brother's keeper. And the Lord gave that to me when I wrote that out. That's back with uh, Cain and Abel. And, of course, we know that uh, Cain killed Abel. And then God said, hey, where's your brother at? He said, am I my brother's keeper? Well, a lot of Christians today, when they see people that are hurting, people are down and out, they think, well, that's none of my business. That's their problem. But God said, no, you're your brother's keeper. We're supposed to help other people. And then also the part where the motion has becoming conscious of his indwelling presence. Becoming conscious of his indwelling presence. And if Christians 
would study parts of the Bible that God wrote for them, maybe the epistles, then you start thinking like a winner. You start facing situations like a winner instead of a loser. Instead of just all the time feeling like you're under attack, you can start doing some attacking. Amen. We're supposed to be coming against the kingdom of darkness, not allow darkness to overcome us. You know, Jesus said a couple of things about light. He said, he's the light of the world. And then he said about his followers, his sons and daughters, he said, we are the light of the world. And light always overcomes darkness. But if you don't ever study your Bible, and by study your Bible, I don't mean to have some great big old fat Bible with all the checking off squares that you read this many chapters a day. I mean, study your Bible and let that uh, words jump off that page into your heart, into your thinking. I know the first thing I always think when something's going on, immediately out of my heart comes things like this. First John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And then I say things like, devil, you might, you might be in the world and doing some things to other people, but I'm in the world, but not of the world. Jesus lives in me. And then when I, I, I face, face impossible things that I know that God wants me to do, he beat me. I say, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I speak things like that out loud over and over and over again. And you know the strangest thing? I start to believe them. Amen. I remember when I was a young Christian, the Lord used to give me this little cartoon vision all the time. Because when I'd be, I, I, I wasn't raised in a church family. I was 28 and a half years old when I got born again. It was all brand new to me. And I just realized that God was real and Jesus really was real. And so everything I heard the preacher teach, I believed. If he said I can lay hands sick, they recover, I believed it. I believed it so much, I'd go to hospital emergency rooms and lay hands on people. Until one hospital saw me too much, they had security kick me out, so I was barred from that hospital. Well, one day I went in there. And I, I had, matter of fact, I had a nurse work at another hospital with me. Her and her husband, we used to work emergency rooms together. She was a real nurse. Went in there, and there's this young guy, probably his mid-20s, and his wife or girlfriend sitting there, and saw him there, and had a big bunch of band-aids on his hand holding up, and he had a great big split there, cut himself. And so we just went up there, did what believers do, said, hey, can I pray for you? I've never seen anything like this since then. Laid hands on him, and all of us, he, his girlfriend and wife, whatever she was, people with me, we saw that cut close up in slow motion. So what do you think left? Just God sealed it up. Well, why was that? Because I believe what the Bible said. I believe what the Bible said. The Bible says those things. I don't recommend you go work in emergency rooms unless you're trained to that. It's supposed to be there. But anyway, I did everything I could. I just, whatever I did, the Bible said, I believed it because I immersed myself in it. And so these devotions are loaded with little nuggets and things like that there. that You'll read the Word of God. You'll see the Word of God. And, you know, all I can say is this. If you doubt it, do without it. But I know for me, I'm going to grab it and blab it. Amen, because it's the Word. So anyway, those devotions are free back there. and the, the, You know, the bookstore's got a lot of excellent, awesome things in it. But uh, we want to help you to be winners and not whiners. Say this, say, I'm a winner. Not a whiner. Glory to God. Second, uh, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. And we're talking about the attitude of a winner. The attitude of a winner. And you know, as, as, as we're, as you're turning there, I'm thinking about 
my life and experiences I had. Before I was a Christian, I was a truck driver for a lot of years. And I remember one day, had a truck driver from another company. He was on the dock where I worked at, and I was receiving his freight. And uh, I mean, I, I, I was just a, a real heathen like a lot of you were, and I hope you're not still that way today. But I was a real heathen. I just did what heathen did. Man, we cussed, looked at dirty pictures, drank, and just all the stupid stuff. And, uh, you know, that's just the way we were. And this guy looked so depressed all the time that I, I didn't know him because he just came there and did business, and he left. But I remember one day we were sitting there signing our freight bills for what we did. And this guy looked so depressed. I thought, man, and I was a sinner. I thought, boy, this guy must have a lot of problems in life. And all of a sudden he looked up at me and said, you got to get saved. And he just said it real fast like that, like he's afraid to say anything. And I thought, what? I said, what'd you say? He said, you got to get saved. You need to go to church. And I didn't pray, but I, I thought to myself, if getting saved makes me like you, I don't want saved. And I thought, uh, just tell me where your church is. I'll go the opposite direction. Because I am not going to go someplace with a bunch of depressed people that aren't having fun in life, at least for the few, few, few little minutes, hours. When I was out drinking with my buddies, I had fun for a while. I thought I was going to hell, but I was having fun for a while. We wasn't depressed most of the time. And so anyway, I'm just saying for Christians, when you got the attitude of a winner, people want to get saved. When you got the attitude of a winner, they ask you, where's your church at? They'll track you down to find out where you, they'll stalk you. So I got to follow them, find out where they go to church at. If there's people there like that, that's what I want. That's what I need. Somebody say amen. 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 So anyway, I, 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 I like winning. So Second Tim, Timothy chapter four, verses six through eight. And the apostle Paul, uh, really everything we look at tonight is going to be for the life of Paul. Uh, that's just where the Holy Ghost led me, but he, he's coming to the end of his life. He's about to be executed, and he knows his time's coming. And so in verse 6, he says this, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. And he wasn't talking about waiting on an airplane. He's getting ready to go to heaven, and he knew it. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. He was a winner. He said, I have finished my course, my right, my, my course, my, my race, my life. He said, I've done all that God wanted me to do. He said, I've finished it. I think, I think about, I think about so many Christians that I've seen over the years. I'm, I'm going to finish reading these verses, but I just, it's been pathetic over the years of things I've seen because this is basically the only church I've been in most of the time for the last bunches of years that people here have a winning attitude. They stick around. They get it and they start winning. There's been so many Christians, Christians that I've known. Uh, God led me to start this business. God led me to start this ministry. God led me to do this. God led me to do that. Well, God led me to get this job. God blessed me with this job. Six months later, they're, they're cursing the devil because things aren't going right, don't know what to do, and they're wanting, they're wanting to get another job. I mean, we had one guy, Pastor Dave, what did that guy do, get a job every month? <laughs> At least every month. And we've had people like that here. If God led you to a business, a job, a church, Whatever it is he led you, if God led you, there's going to be resistance from the devil. And you have got to learn how to do what Paul did. I fight a good fight. When it was all over and everything was done, I'm still standing. The devil's down there under my feet where he belongs. And I thought, well, the devil, uh, he's after me. Well, he's not supposed to be after you. You're supposed to be after him. Well, well, the devil did this. The devil did that. 
Well, you know what? Jesus said you can have what you say. If all you're going to talk about and brag on is the devil, then you're going to be a quitter. You're going to be a whiner. You're never going to finish anything. And you're never going to be promoted to more in the kingdom of God because you don't know how to stay in the fight. That's a good time to shout or clap or something, man. I thought that was pretty good. And so he said, he said, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Wow, that's pretty good. God had something special waiting on Paul. He says, which the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And I was thinking about that verse a while ago. Uh, you know, the Bible talks a lot about crowns. I've never particularly been led to study about crowns or see what all's going on there. But because it says so much about crowns that God has in heaven for people that fight the fight and win, then I, there's got to be crowns. I don't know what they are, but I was thinking about it as we was worshiping the Lord to men to go about the crowns and things like that in heaven. That's going to be nice there. But I was thinking, I live on earth right now. And I know that for my life, I just want to do every day what I know Jesus wants me to do. Amen. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing things because I'm looking for a crown. I'm doing things because I want to live a long time and please Jesus and because I know eternity's real. And I know heaven's real. And I know hell's real. And I know all around me are people in the present time we live in that are totally clueless about spiritual things. I know that there's people right now that are totally in bondage to Satan, addictions, and lots of bad things, and they don't know what's going on in their life. And so every day, I just want to wake up praising Jesus, reading my Bible, talking to him, and I've kind of developed a new 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 routine. So uh Joe and Nadine, if you see somebody with a blue hoodie on walking through the desert, that's me. We live on the same area over there. I've kind of got a desert trail I follow and I walk through there. But I've noticed as I walk through there, quoting the word of God and praying, I start seeing a lot of things I'm supposed to pray about better. I'm seeing things, I've prayed about things, and that walk is getting longer and longer, but it's going quicker and quicker. And really, I look at my little walking app, and it amazes me how much I'm walking right now. But the thing is, when I'm out there, I'm communicating with the one that made the desert. At nighttime, I like to walk outside out here in the desert. I look up the stars. I've been spending time in Psalms 8, and, and the psalmist talks about the stars and the moon. And everything that's up there, I look at those. And it's so easy just to start talking to him. Jesus, you made all those stars and all the galaxies and things I can't see. You made all those things. And Jesus, you know the number of every hair on my head and all the hairs on my head that I still want. (laughs) But no, what am I saying? I'm saying that we as Christians can finish things that God gives us to do. We don't have to be quitters. We can finish, and if anybody's going to quit, let's make it be the devil. Amen. Amen, amen. So anyway, uh, he, he said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. And so to keep the faith to me means that we live as Christians. We choose not to backslide. And if something happens, the, the devil gets a sucker punch in and knocks you down. You backslide quickly. As soon as you come to your senses, raise back up. Ask for forgiveness. And say, Jesus, I'm back in the race. I'm running. I'm not quitting. Amen. 
Amen. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 10. Amen. Somebody hear a whistling in your ear somewhere? <laughs> I guess we're not an amen church. We're the church of the whistlers. <laughs> amen. However you got to express yourself, express yourself. Just keep on loving Jesus and stay excited about the word of God. And so we're looking at the attitude of a winner. Hebrews 10, verse 35 and 36. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Cast not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, after you've done the will of God, that you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And so Paul wrote this because he had a lot of experience in life. He knew how not to quit. He knew how to be, how, how to be faithful and stay in the race and stay in ministry. You know, I was just thinking about something a while ago while we were up here, what I, knowing what I'm going to teach tonight, things I'm going to look at. I was thinking about our life. I don't think about our life a lot of times to talk about us, but sometimes I need to talk about my family to talk about us. Sometimes we've got to talk about us to help other people. And we're going to see some things Paul said talk about his life to help other people. Uh, we had a very, very thriving, thriving, wonderful church back in Indiana, back in the 90s and uh, up in the early 2000s. We were on TV twice a week. I had great influence of all the city officials, uh, head judge, county sheriff, chief of police, mayor. I mean, you know, they cho- they chose to come around us and be with us because they liked our attitude, our winning attitude. The officials spoke at my church sometimes. We had We lived in the Bible Belt. And so anyway, we had a wonderful, wonderful ministry, and uh, I thought I was a pretty seasoned pastor, but I guess I wasn't as seasoned as I thought I was, because I, 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 out, right, out of a right attitude, I wanted our church to get bigger and bigger, and we were getting bigger and bigger. And so I prematurely, thinking it was the Holy Spirit leading me, went to buy the biggest building in our city. I mean, a huge, huge, huge place there because we outgrew our place. We were having five services a week. Things were going excellent, excellent, good. And I got ahead of God. We ended up losing everything. And a matter of fact, uh, our last successful year, I did, I did 13 funerals of church people and everything that were really my strongest leaders. Just, man, we got hit. We got attacked. We, we got our socks knocked off. And it was rough, 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 rough. And it was really, really bad. And so anyway, because we are not quitters, we stayed with it. We were building uh, a couple buildings, and I put my house that was almost paid off as collateral to build those buildings, and we ended up giving my house to the bank and moved into a garage, and it wasn't fun. But I wasn't going to quit. God called us to pastor there. We were going to stay there, and it was just, it got really, really serious and tough. And so we met with our pastor, Dr. Barclay, he comes here sometimes, Dr. Mark T. Barclay, and he told us, God is not finished with you. He's finished with you in Indiana. He said, you need to find out where God wants you to go next. He's got another phase of ministry for you now. Find out where it is. And so we're here in California now, and that was 2005. And so actually, if you want to know the real name of this church, is not High Desert Word Center. This is Joy Living Christian Center. Joy Living Christian Center was birthed in our hearts from God for that area there. And so here, instead of having all white people, we got a lot of brown people and different people. No, that's not a joke. That's very real. 
I look at your faces. A lot of you, I look at your faces. I know you, your personality. I know who you are. I'll say, that's Stan. That's Jennifer. That's Mike. I'll say, that's Tim. That's Deanne. That's Carol right there. There's Carol. Because the same spirit that God sent to help us do what he called us to do in Indiana is on you. And so sometimes, be mistakenly, we're talking to each other, talking about joy and living, because that's in us. But why is that in us? Because that's the ministry we're called to. And so when we pioneered that church back in Indiana, we called it Joy and Living Christian Center, because we decided we were not going to be a sarpus church, a religious church. People are going to have joy in living. Amen. So we did that. So what I'm, what, what I want to tell you that story for, we could have quit. We could have quit. Well, we lost everything then. I ended up, the last few years of the ministry out there, if it was a ministry, driving a mail truck at nighttime and getting out of the mail truck long enough to preach on Sunday, preach on Wednesday, do what I was doing. I was driving a mail truck six, seven days a week, including holidays. Uh, I don't know if people know much about the government. They want everybody else to give holidays and breaks to people, but their people get to work on Christmas and Thanksgiving and other holidays. Anyway, so I did all those things. And then to come to California, I left my 15-year-old son, lived with some good friends, left my 17-year-old daughter, lived with her brother Joshua, and I left my dad and mom in a nursing home dying. And I came back to, came to California. I fly back and visit people, do all I could do. And then first year after I was here, I went back and I preached my own mother's funeral. Then two years later, I went back and preached my brother's funeral. Then went back and preached my dad's funeral. But you know what? I'm a winner. I'm doing what God called me to do. There's nothing going to stop me fulfilling the plan of God for my life. And my 17-year-old daughter is now part of this church. Her husband, her family, got four wonderful children, part of the family of God. Because we followed the plan of God, we took care of our kids. We didn't abandon them. We followed what God had for us with all the attacks. And now my 15-year-old son, is getting he's phasing out of the Marine Corps right now. He and his family live here. The process of doing what God wants them to do. And so the plan of God is coming to pass. We fought a good fight. We finished our race. And nobody, nobody, no devil could stop us from following God's plan for our life. We're fighting a good fight. What's a good fight? That's the one you win. You know, you get all battled and bruised, laying there all, all messed up and crippled for life. And they fought a good fight. No, they didn't. They got the tar beat out of them. Amen. Amen. And so anyway... That was his attitude. He said, don't cast away your confidence. You just keep on going. Now look over, look over at chapter 9, verse 23. We're talking about the attitude of a winner. Paul said, don't cast away your confidence. Chapter 9, verse 23. And then he said this. Let us hold fast the confession of how bad life is. How mean people are. How everybody judges me. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Can I tell you something? There's nothing the devil does that is fair. Amen. We all go through challenges of life. It's what we choose to do with the challenge is going to determine how we come out. Amen. That determines the outcome. He says, hold fast the confession of our faith. He said, he said, I've kept the faith. Hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. Now we're talking about the attitude of a winner. And as I'm speaking to you and you watch it out there, this is an attitude you've got to have no matter what's going on in your life right now. You've got to change your attitude if you're not seeing victory. If you don't see light at the end of the tunnel, then you're not in faith. Amen. 
You've got to see, you've got to see that no matter how big and how bad it is, this is not the end. I know there used to be a little demon. Like to cast on my shoulder. I'd be like to cap out on my shoulder. That would go through all things in Indiana. I don't know, I don't know if you ever heard demons, but they've got little wimpy voices. They talk to you. I'd, I'd hear this little thing. Well, Jesus said he'd be with you till the end. This is the end. I actually heard that little voice talking to me through all those hard times. And then, you know, I'd just rebuke it. Within a few days, all of a sudden, well, you know, God is faithful to the end. This is the end. And I said, no, it's not, devil. This is not the end. The end is when God says it's over and it's not over. As long as I'm breathing, it's not the end. I want to say that to you. As long as you're still breathing, it's not over. As long as you're still breathing, you can still win. It's going to be a choice on your part. And Pastor Dave kind of hit off this morning and, man, we're going to, I think we're going to start hitting the social media stuff a little heavier. Faith doesn't come by looking at your stupid smoke phone all day long. Faith does not come by watching the news on there. Faith does not come, you know, whatever TikTok is. Oh, TikTok I got. I love mechanical clocks. I got an old, old, old grandfather clock. Got a wonderful cuckoo clock. I got other wall clocks, not battery clocks. I don't like my batteries. I got winding clocks. Chain clocks, all kinds of clocks. The only tick-tock I know is if you're at nighttime in my house, you're going to hear tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. You're going to hear dong, dong, dong. You're going to see a little bird come flying out and uh, do a little chirp at my cuckoo clock. Go cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Then you're going to see little German men dancing around in a circle. <laughs> hey, man. And so this tick-tock business, I don't know anything about it. I hear this. I, I can't, I can't believe I'm hearing believers talk about TikTok. I remember, I remember that came out there talking about where that came from and who was behind it. I thought, man, I can't believe that Christians have anything to do with something that the government says is out to destroy us with their play of TikTok. You know what do you want to if that is not my business, it's your business. But I know also I found out a long time ago that DeFacebook was not good for a Christian's health. Amen. And so anyway, I'm saying about the choice you have to have, you're not going to have a winner's attitude if you spend more time on those things than you do of Jesus in your Bible. Amen. I'm going to say it again, Raymond. I'm doing better preaching than they are shouting. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, two things I want you to see in this verse here, verse 23. Number one, you need to see this. God is faithful and what he has promised in the Bible is for you and for me and for today. Because God never changes. God is faithful. You've got to see that. You've got to know that. Paul was a winner. Paul was a winner. He said, hold fast and confess of your faith. Because God is faithful that promised. He's faithful. He's faithful. And uh, something, something that we teach in this church pretty frequently, people can get a hold of. They don't understand things. They'll say, well, if God's so good, why did that happen? Well, if God's so good, what about this? In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said it the best. He said, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, I've come for you to have and enjoy life. To have and enjoy life. And see, too many Christians and too many preachers don't realize that there's two families in the, in, in the spiritual arena. You got the, you got the family of the devil and the family of God. 
And so God's on the good side, Satan's on the bad side. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, says Satan is the small g, God of this world. He has people blinded, has people deceived. He always wants to make people think God did it, but God already explained it. He said, I'm the one that comes for you to have an enjoy life. He said, I'm the one that comes to supply all your needs. I'm the one that comes to heal you, to protect you, to save you. I'm the one that came to promote you and cause good to happen. And we as Christians need to get a hold of the fact that when things happen, you know, I, I, well, I think about the deceiver he is. I, I think about a, a little goofy game I do with a lot of the church people. I just guess an old man thing. I see some of the other old men walk up, tap somebody on the shoulder like that, and I know who does it. Well, they look over there at somebody else, and if they don't see who did it, they blame this person over here for messing with them. But what that is the guy over here that did it, but you thought this guy did it, so he gets the blame. Satan will come. He'll throw a sucker punch on you financially, physically, or on your job. You'll get hit out of the blue and just say, I didn't do nothing. God, why did you do that? And if you had an ear to hear, Jesus said, he had an ear to hear, let him hear. You'd immediately think, John 10, 10, thief coming, not before to steal, to kill, destroy. Jesus could be to have and enjoy life. And my part is to keep my confession of faith because he's faithful that promised. Can you see that? Amen. That's a, that's a winner's attitude that also, he says, hold fast to your faith. means keep speaking the promises of God. Keep speaking the promises of God. I, I think about, I think about the other day, uh, we had, we had, had, I had to go buy something at a, at a store and I really, I really, really, really needed it. I would have liked to got it for a really good price, but they told me it would be $227 for a little bit of nothing, but I needed it. And so I got to that store and Mrs. Pastor, you know, she finally talked me to buy something. I'll just do without it. I just said, man, said, you bless everybody else. You got a right to be blessed. So I went to buy that, that item. And when I got there, the, 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 the cashier was telling me, kept walking to me. I said, man, you don't have to tell me. He said, I already know what it cost. I said, ready to pay for it because I need it. And then this cashier says, well, how'd you like to get it for $25? I said, I'd love to get it for $25. And so she reached out under the cashier and said, I got a gift card. I'm going to use it. $25. So then went out the car. Told me, I said, Pastor, I said, look at that receipt. I said, I had to give $227, gave $25. She said, how'd that happen? I said, it's called Malachi chapter 3. I bring my tithe to the storehouse. The windows have opened on me, and God rebukes the devourer for me. That's how that happened. But you know what I'm doing? I'm holding fast my confession of faith without wavering. I all the time talk about tither's rights. I'm a tither. Blessed of God's on me. It's on my family. He's rebuking the devourer because he's faithful that promised. And so in your life, in your life, no matter what goes on, remember the attitude of a winner is just act like the Bible's true. Because it is. Act like the Bible's true. Say what the Bible says. No matter how dark, no matter how bleak it looks, you keep on saying, well, God's faithful to promise. Here's what he said. And that's my story. Amen. And I'm not changing Amen. Go ahead, Robert, clap. And something, something I like to say all the time, faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. And get a hold of that. There's a difference between denial and faith. Uh, back in 2017, 18, when I, I got diagnosed with uh, 
called lymphoma. It was blood cancer. 70% of my blood being, being cancerous. I was basically brain dead. Uh, it wasn't good. I didn't deny the diagnosis because it was real. But I did deny its right to kill me. So I stuck with the word. Came out of it. In the midst of all that treatment, ended up the ER. 99% of my right coronary artery blocked off. Doctor said, you shouldn't be here. You're walking dead, man. You shouldn't be here. 99%. I had 1% of the blood flow through my main artery in my heart that was supposed to flow. Well, faith doesn't die things. Faith changes things. That was a diagnosis. I didn't deny it. That's what it was. But I denied his right to kill me. Stuck with it. And so that's what I'm telling you for Christians. Uh, I, I just know how to talk in real words. I, I'm not real fancy with the words. It's terrible, the goofy, the goofy religious, deceived Christians that deny things that are happening. If they're happening, they're happening. Remember one time, knew some people that uh, this back when we had real phones and didn't have the smart alley phones, but real phones in the house. They call them landlines. I remember they was about to lose their phone because uh, they couldn't pay their phone bill. said, well, I can't have a phone bill. I don't even have a phone. I don't have a phone. I don't have a phone. Well, that's not faith. That's denial. You've got a phone. You need a phone. You need to pay your phone bill. You don't deny the problem. Amen. You stick with the promise. You speak the promise. You know, your car, if you have trouble paying for your car, don't deny you have a car payment. Your name's on the dotted line. If you deny you got a car payment, you're going to hear a noise one night uh, when it's dark. You're going to hear some chains clinking. How do I know? I heard them one time. <laughs> I, I, I knew the truck was coming. That's a strange thing at nighttime. When all of a sudden your streets lit up, big old white lights on a truck... You're clink, 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 and you look out there, there goes your baby. <laughs> but the thing is, Christians have to know when you got problems, denial is not faith. Denial is fear. Faith changes things, it does deny things. And so you've got to get a hold of that. You've really got to get a hold of that. I want you to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 8 to 11. I'm going to throw a couple of things on you here about Paul. And Paul, Paul lived the life of a Christian, life of a Christian and, and Christians have problems. The world has problems, except Christians are supposed to know how to handle the problems. I want to say that again. Christians have problems, but Christians have answers. And the answer is basically in your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth depends on what you do with your time. If you want to spend your time studying sports scores, want to spend your time studying politics, want to spend your time studying whatever it is, you even good things, you know, uh, better homes and gardens or whatever it is. Whatever you spend your time doing, that's what you'll talk about. That's where your faith is. And so Christians facing problems you're going to know where they stand as far as their faith is, but it comes out of their mouth. You know, you ask them, well, what scriptures are you standing on? Well, I'll tell you who won the 1927 World Series. Oh. Uh, I'll tell you who won the 1982 Super Bowl. Oh. But uh, what about cancer? What about getting a car that runs? What about paying a light bill so you have lights? 
What about having the money to give $6 for a loaf of bread? Or $9 for a dozen eggs? What about faith for that? Doesn't Philippians 4.19 cover those things? My God shall supply all of your need. Amen. Hey, whether, whether, bread, whether bread's still like when I was a kid growing up, bread was a quarter loaf. Real bread. It was a quarter loaf back then. I remember milk, milk, milk was, milk, milk was 35 cents a gallon back then. And so what difference does it make in the word of God if milk is $10 a gallon or 35 cents a gallon? This is real. God said, I'll supply all your needs unless things get too, 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 uh, heavy down there. If they do, I might have to start selling some chunks of gold off our streets up here. And just keep heaven moving. Uh, well, you know, uh, we did have a mansion for your family. I know, I know Jesus said there in my father's house many mansions, but that was before inflation happened. Now a lot of the mansions are boarded up, but we do have some trailers back here. Amen. You know, you know, this, this sounds funny, but Christians need to understand the Bible's true. It doesn't make any difference if you work at McDonald's. What? Work at McDonald's now in California, you make good money. But the thing is, it doesn't make any difference whether you got a super duper union job, professional job, or you're a minimum wage laborer. Philippians 419 still works. It's for you. My God supplies all your need. And so look at, look at Paul right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. Paul said, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. You know what Paul said right there? Basically, he said we were tempted for suicide. We were tempted to give up and just go ahead and get out of here. We despaired of life. We were pressed beyond measure. We were hurting so bad, we didn't know a person could hurt this bad and still live. I've been there. Have you ever been there? To hurt this bad and still live? So that's how bad we hurt. But look at this here. This is the attitude of a winner. But we, but we had the sentence or the answer of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God. We had the answer. We should not trust in ourselves but in God which raises the dead, dead, who delivereth us from so great a death and does deliver, who we trust that he will yet deliver. He said, we're trusted in God as we're going through this. He has delivered. He is delivering. He will deliver. We don't trust ourselves. I've told Mrs. Pastor, praise God, we haven't had for a long time. We've been through hurting so bad through things we went through in the past. I said, man, I did not know you could hurt this bad and still be alive. We hurt so bad, but you know what? I said, we are going to trust in God. We are going to trust in Jesus. Nobody can heal what's in here but Jesus. And I'm talking about the attitude of a winner. We're talking to you about life no matter where you are. If it's family things, financial things, health things, teenager things, job things, or just discussion in general because the shape of the nation right now or the world like that, you got to get your eyes off of that and back on God through his word. And Paul's attitude was, said, man, we despaired even of life. And I want you to look at... Chapter, chapter 4, Second Corinthians chapter 4, amen. Uh, verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8, it's, Paul said, We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. 
In other words, he wasn't going to let stress get on him. He said, we're not going to get distressed. We're not going to, we're not going to stress out because Paul learned how to cast his worries, his cares, his anxieties on Jesus and keep on doing what he's called to do. On every side, you're not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And so he said, things are bad everywhere. And I wrote a note here a while ago that Paul not only went through the school of hard knocks, but he had a graduate degree. Amen. I know a lot of times people ask me about Bible school and stuff like that, been to a couple. But the whole thing was my main, my main uh, source of life, anointing, power, revelation has been the school of hard knocks. I do not like the school of hard knocks. I praise God. I hope I've graduated now. I hope I'm not going back again. You know what the school of hard knocks is? That's going through life, getting challenged, beat up, lied about, slandered, having financial distress, and all those things, except always saying this in your heart, with your actions, the answer is in the Word. 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 Pull out old tapes, OCDs, or now you can go on YouTube and find your favorite preachers and things, and see things like that, there's the answer, there's the answer, there's the answer. And then, don't just listen to the preacher. Get your own Bible out. Get your own journal out. Write those scriptures out. Go back and review. It amazes me, when I read my journals, the things I see that God gave me answers to before. I thought, wow, that's for today. I'm glad I opened this journal. I'm glad I looked at that. Sometimes I feel led to go find a journal from a certain time period. Sometimes I feel led to go get out a faith book that I had a long time ago and read it again. And I'll see where I put yellow through it. I put red lines around paragraphs, put little stars in my little faith books, and I'll pull that up again. And guess what? I get the victory all stirred up again. I start laughing again. I thought, man, hallelujah. Thought it was over back then, but here we are. Man, it looks like we were history. Here we are. We were toast. Here we are. The day I signed my house over. To the bank. So they can have a church building. Here we are. The day I heard the chains clanking. Here we are. The day I heard the diagnosis from the doctor. 70%. 70% cancer in your blood. Said you've only got 30% of your blood that's blood. The rest of it's cancer. Here we are. Amen. Amen. See, we are qualified to teach you faith. Because we proved in our own lives that faith really does work. Amen. Faith really does work. And so Paul said all those things. And he's just letting the people know like I'm letting you know. He said, hey, man, I want to tell you something. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I paid my dues. He said, I've been some places, done some things, and here I am. It works. He said, at the end of his life, he said, I've kept the faith. I fought a good fight. Well, if you don't have an enemy, there's no fight. Your enemy... Is not flesh and blood. The enemy is not the bank. Your enemy is not your job. Your enemy is not a politician. There's demon spirits and things out there. They're your enemy. They're behind your trouble. They're the ones that bring depression to you. They're the ones that try to steal your car, your money, your family, and everything else. They're the ones. You've got to recognize you're going to fight the good fight. You're not going to get mad at people anymore. Amen. There's a whole lot of people... I have no use for because of how they live and what they do. But I love people because they're created in God's image. 
And if somebody's continually going to harass me, I'm not going to make my habit to have lunch with them every day. I'm not going to say, hey, we're having a get-together and at my house or at our church having a get-together. Tell you what, we got a bunch of people come here to love us. We have a good time. I know you can't stand us. You don't like what we preach, like nothing about my family. Why don't you come too so you can ruin it? That's stupid. Amen. Doesn't mean you hate them. Doesn't mean you're judging them. It just means, hey, man, you guys, we're in two different worlds. You know, you go hang out with the whiners. I'm going to hang out with the winners. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. I'll tell you what, we're going to keep it going. Amen. And so this, uh, look at verse 13. Jump down to verse 13. And here, here, here is the supernatural attitude of a winner. It says, we having the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. The spirit of faith is always having a winning attitude in life, no matter how bad it looks all around you. Your faith must always be in Jesus and what God's word says. You've always got to talk about that. I'm just, I'm just thinking about, you know, I know that it comes with aging and stuff like that, where you just, uh, you just live your life. I mean, if I'm at Walmart, if I'm in a store, anywhere I'm like that, and a good, good deal or something good happens, I mean, it just comes out of me and people stare out and go, thank you, Jesus. And don't strangers, people like that. Why is that? I want Jesus to be uh, excited every day about my life. And so when I get a good deal, something goes on, my first thing in my mouth is, thank you, Jesus. Do I get embarrassed? Not at all. When, I, when I'm around the doctor and stuff and the tests come back and they see the microscope stuff, I say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus did that. And I say, thank you, doctor, you did your part, but Jesus did it. Amen. You've got to have that spirit of faith. And, uh, you know, when, when, when a problem comes and somebody gives you a bad news report, financial, family, healing, whatever it is, your f- first thought's got to be something like, well, glory to God. David took the giant out. In the name of Jesus, this one's going out. Amen. Your attitude's got to be, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Your answer has got to be, well, matter of fact, my Marine son, Joe, he's back in Brooklyn right now. He'll be back hopefully in a week or two. He's phasing out. But I remember he was in the Marines back when I got diagnosed in 2017 with that blood cancer. Well, you know, I don't know if you all know or not, but Pastor Dave in the front row, he and Pastor Katie are the ones that really do about everything in the church now. He got leukemia, was crippled when he was three and a half years old. And so for years, we used that testimony, how the devil tried to... Killed my son, but God didn't let him. And how he got healed and everything like that. Well, it, uh, when, I, when I got diagnosed, like, like a day or two after, I was talking to my son, Joe, on the phone. He was out in the Marine somewhere. I don't know where he was. I was talking to him on the phone. And, uh, you know, it's funny, funny. People don't know how to respond sometimes when somebody, something happens. Like I said, well, Joe, I just got to tell you. I said, I was diagnosed with this and said, percent blood cancer. You know, the first thing I have in mouth. Well, Dad, you don't have to use David's testimony anymore. You got your own now. <laughs> this is this is the day after I got the diagnosis, and so right then, I have a really big faith man. But right then, after I just heard the day before, really good chance you won't be here next year. That center sent blood, and my head wasn't working too good because blood wasn't going to my brain. I found out I'm 
messed up for a while because blood wouldn't go to my brain for a long time. It just trickles into my brain. Brain. So he said that. I mean, my spirit received it. And when Joe said, Dad, you're going to have your own testimony now. Well, that was really a very good faith statement. I raised him that way. I taught him that way. And so when he hears the diagnosis that his dad could possibly die, his first thing is, he didn't think dying. He thought you're going to have a testimony. Hey, man, you need to get that in your thinking. If you're going through a test and something happened, quit focusing on the test. Focus on the answer. The answer is in the word. You know, I think about that. How would it be if you're getting ready to have your finals in school, go through some kind of a big test, and you never studied the answer part, you just stared at the test and have these uh, things. Anybody ever been to the license branch and take get a driver's license test? They make it easy. They give you multiple choice, but they all stand so close to each other, only one of them is right. And chances are, if you're doing the guessing, unless the mercy of God's strong in your life right then, you're going to guess the wrong thing. And so with the Bible things, the test in life, too many of you are majoring on looking at the problem. Quit studying the problem. Study the answer book. Talk about the attitude of a winner. And so he said, he said, he said, that's the spirit of faith you believe and you say. And then for, for your notes, write this down. Another, another passage tells us the things he went through. Second Corinthians 11. Verse 22 to 28, and just read this sometime this week. Read when you get home, but Paul tells about it, and what I like about the particular passage, some of the things he talks about, he talks about the different kind of people that were harassing him, getting into trouble, and some of them were false brethren, false brethren that crept in unawares. You know there's some religious people that are not really saved yet? Paul said there's people that have a, a form of religion, but neither power thereof. There's people that'll hang out with you sometimes, just sit by the devil to spy on you and try to mess your faith up. Paul said there was false brethren crept in unawares. He said there were religious Jews that were out to get him. He said there were other people that were that 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 were carnal, just fleshly people. He said these people are all harassing us everywhere we go. Man, there's people problems. But none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Amen. So study that passage. That's a really good, but I, I, I want to close by going to Acts chapter 27. And I want to see you why this, why this man, this winner can say the things he said, how he lived his life. In Acts chapter 27, we're going to, we're going to look at verse one. Then I'm just, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to hit some highlights, but we're talking about for you, the attitude of a winner. And I, I, I think about, I'm just thinking about my life. You know, I don't know how everybody else does it. But I always knew from the time I got born again in January 1980, I knew from the day I got born again, I was called to be a preacher. I didn't think I was ever going to be a pastor. I thought I'd be a traveling preacher, an evangelist type guy. That's what I thought. But the Lord, Lord, my wife had different thoughts. <laughs> she, see, women sometimes pick up on things faster than men, it seems like. So anyway, uh, I ended up being a pastor but I've noticed, here's how I carry myself. I always have since I knew the call. I always, when I'm around other churches, when I'm at big meetings where there's preachers, I always watch the preachers, how they handle people, how they handle things. I'm not talking about uh, preachers that don't do much, don't have much of a life. I'm talking about preachers 
They're successful, have successful ministries, help a lot of people. A lot of people's lives are changed. I watch how they handle them. I, when, I, when, uh, when, when, I, when I'm in church services, if some kind of a trouble thing happens, I immediately look around and I watch how the pastor has the ushers trained, how the pastor has his leadership trained. If there's a sound problem, I watch how they handle the sound problem. If there's a heating air conditioning problem, I watch what they're doing, how they do things. I always study the lives of preachers. When they're under attack and people are lying about them, I watch how they handle the attack and I see things. And so I think about Paul right here. We look at his life here. We're going to look here how he handled things in time of crisis. And for you, I just recommend in your lives for things going on, don't study the lives of people that have lost what you're wanting to win at. Study the lives. I'm thinking about building her business there, about the business world and things like that. Man, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to imitate or follow after a pastor that's been kicked out of every church he's ever went to because he wasn't a good pastor. A pastor that never succeeded. And what do you call success for a pastor? People's lives getting changed. People getting born again. People getting delivered from addictions. People getting their homes restored. People growing up teenagers where they don't go, they're talking about the parents or the teens don't go nuts. They come through things together and recognize we all went through that phase. And then when I see some of the, I just don't know how to say it's the times we live in. I see some of the hairdos today. I see some things going on. All I have to do is go back and remember the 70s when I had an afro and I had beards and I had platform shoes. I had my goofy 57 Ford. Had the back end jacked up. Love to put it in low gear and come down the hill. And then see the little motorcycle policeman pull me over for excessive noise and give me a hard time. Well, then it makes me real easy to look at the kids today and think, man, they're only doing what I did back then because kids are kids. And don't get too upset about it. Just go along with it. And the more you browbeat them, the further out they're going to go. Just use the love of God, and just et cetera, et cetera, and they'll come through this thing. It's the things that happens, except today, I think the challenges, the temptations do look more to me than what they were back then. It's a different world. Amen. And so that's what I call success when a pastor is able to have hurting, losing people come to their church, and the people don't stay there. They come out of that and become great leaders. And workers of the kingdom of God. That's what I call, that's how I measure success for a pastor, people that really help people. And so Acts chapter 27 says, and went up in verse 1, and when it was determined that we should sell to Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners. Certain other prisoners. Paul was a prisoner at this time. He was a preacher, but he was a prisoner. And say, we're getting ready to take him to Rome to stand before Caesar and end up being beheaded. But he, he was all the way there as a prisoner. And so, as a prisoner, uh, that doesn't seem like very much a position of authority. But how many know there's a spiritual realm and there's a natural realm? Hey Amen. I think about, I'm just thinking about when I was a truck driver for years, a Christian truck driver, I got bored again. My, 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 my truck route that I ran basically was downtown Indianapolis area, Indianapolis, Indiana area. In the same day, I would be in the governor's office delivering things there, and then a little ways down the road, I was in a ghetto with homeless people. And in the same day, I'd take part of my lunch and give it to homeless people. And the same day, I'd be talking to a federal judge. 
I remember, I remember I've led several CEOs to the Lord, homeless people to the Lord, regular working people to the Lord. And so I was a traveling truck driver preacher, but no matter where I was, I knew the authority I had in Christ. The same demons and the same problems that a homeless person has, a billionaire has. Jesus is the answer for the homeless or for the very wealthy. He's the same answer. And when believers like Paul, he was a prisoner, but prison wasn't in him. He was in the prison. Prison wasn't in him. What was in him? He's the one that said that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one that said greater is in you. He's the one that said, I can do all things through Christ with strength me. Why did he say that? He proved it by experience. And so for you, it's not how great of education you had or have, or it's not how lack of education you have. It's how much Jesus do you have. Amen. And so anyway, he was a, he was a prisoner here. And, and uh, this, what I'm getting ready to read you is uh, this. This is a great example of a believer walking their authority and favor, not allowing circumstances to rule them, but taking authority over circumstances. This is a great example of a believer not allowing circumstances to control their life, but they control the circumstances. And so I'm going to jump down to verse to verse 9. And they're getting ready to launch off, to head across the sea to go to Rome. It says, and now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, that was a Jewish holiday, the Day of Atonement, the, the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. And so Paul's talking to the, to the captain of the ship, to the soldiers that had him in chains, and to the ones around, he said, and he said to them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with, with, uh, hurt and much damage, not only the lady's ship, but also of our lives. And so what he said right there, he warned them what he's picking up in his spirit. And so then notice this next verse, nevertheless, the centurion, the centurion, that's the, 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 the army captain, believe the master, that's the head of the ship, and the owner of the ship, were those words were spoken by Paul. And so he says, I perceive. And so in our lives as Christians, we don't always hear voices. Matter of fact, if you're looking for voices, you might hear the wrong one. We as Christians, Romans 8, 14 says, we're led by the Spirit of God in our spirit. He said, I perceive. Sometimes, sometimes you'll be picking up on something. You'll be picking up on Man, we don't really need to do this. I remember back in uh, 2006, we were getting ready to go back to Indiana for Christmas. We got here in 2005, flew back on Christmas, see the family. And so we thought, man, it's going to be our habit. Every year we'll go back for Christmas. So in about October and November of 2006, we were online getting our airplane tickets to go back. And I told her, I told, I told mom, I said, you know what? We can't go to Indiana this year. And my dad and mom still in the nursing home. My kids are still out there. All that stuff's out there. I said, man, I don't know why. And she said, I know it too. We perceived not to go to Indiana. Well, then right at Christmas time, some really challenging things hit this church right here in California. If we'd have been out there, this church would have been in real trouble. We were right here to fight a battle to keep this church going at that point in time. But why? We perceived. We perceived. And so you as Christians have to know no matter what your status in life, on the job you work, 
You may not be somebody on the staff. You may not be in leadership. You may be, I don't know what to say, a low-level worker. And there's no disrespect in that. we got to have all the workers, everybody else. In other words, they may make decisions in your job that in your heart, you know, this is wrong. And so sometimes God will open the door. You can warn the people, hey, man, uh, what you guys are doing, is really, I, I don't feel good about this. And that's as far as you can go because you're not the one in the natural authority, but you are the spiritual authority. And I think about the time my trucking company that had been in business since 1927, getting ready to go out of business, started laying off everybody. I was number 11 on seed already. He got down to me, man. I just took authority. I said, no, nope, they won't lay me off. I'm a tither. I belong to Jesus. So it got down to me, and for a few months they watched it and stopped on number 11. And I heard the guy said, you're next, you're next, you're next. I said, no, not me. I belong to Jesus. Not me. And so they reversed it and started hiring. And so the church, the, 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 the job grew big again. But the whole thing was, I wasn't the big guy. I was a little low-level dock worker, truck driver, but I had authority because I belonged to Jesus and he had me there. So you've got to know the authority you got. So anyway, it says, says that uh, they turned him down, they wouldn't listen to him. And then I want you to get to verse 20, just uh, get through the things here. And this is the attitude of a man that knows Jesus and walks with him. I want to say this again for you. This is the attitude of a believer that knows Jesus. Doesn't know about him, but knows him and walks with him. It says, and, and, and the, I mean, the storm and everything's bad. And so it says, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. And I'm looking at your lives right now, what you're going through. There's all hope is gone. It's taken away. But after long abstinence, that, that's fall, Paul uh, fasting food, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, now get this, he's a prisoner, got chains on him. These guys are taking him, stand in front of Caesar, and end up getting executed. And these soldiers, and these crewmen on the ship, and everybody there, they just look at this, lo- this low-life preacher, trying to tell us what to do. They stood forth and missed him and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and lost. In other words, he said, I told you so. And their ship is being hit everywhere through the bad, bad, bad stuff of the sea. He said, now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Listen to those words. I've been there so many times in people's uh, rooms with sick relatives. Somebody getting ready to go to jail or prison because of things going on. I've exhorted them. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I've done that as a pastor I doesn't, I did that as a Christian truck driver because it was Christ in me, not the title pastor, but it was Jesus in me that gave me power in my words to be able to help people. And so you have to know as believers that no matter how bad it looks around you, there's got to be times you stand up, even if people get mad at you, cuss you out, and they say you're brain dead, they say you're stupid, they say you have problems in your head like that, you stand up and say, hey, be of good cheer. Jesus is here. Amen. Amen. So anyway, as we're closing this out, be a good cheer, for, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. Now look at this. Here is three things he's saying that you've got to know and you've got to walk in as a believer, especially in times of crisis. 
For there stood by me this night the angel of God. Now look at this. He says, whose I am. He said, I belong to God at whom I serve. That's your attitude. That's why you have confidence that you know how this is going to turn out. He says, I belong to God. I serve God. It says, this angel said, fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sell with thee. Now look at this. At This is closer. Wherefore, sirs, be a good cheer, for I believe God that shall be even as it was told me. I believe God, even as it was told me. And so we have to know that when we go through the crisis, number one, I belong to Jesus. Number two, I serve Jesus and I believe Jesus. That's the attitude of a winner. I'll keep the faith and finish my race. How about you? Amen. 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 Trish, you forgot to clap. Amen. Billy, were you clapping? Okay. I had to pick on somebody. Amen. Let's stand up. Oh, and by the way, goodbye, Internet. Often. Amen. Goodbye. We're going to sign.